All right, so we're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 33 through 48 today. <clears throat> we're, we're kind of, again, in that little mini-series on the Sermon on the Mount, in the larger series, that is, uh, written so that you would believe. Uh, we see the, the Gospels and the harmony of the Gospels as they're put together. They were written down. They were given to us by God through, uh, through people that saw and, and were with Jesus, that loved Jesus, uh, but, but they were in, empowered by the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Spirit to give us this text. And God now gives us this, and it was written down, recorded, so that you and I could read it. And that we would see that it was written that we would believe what it says. And what, what is, it's not a what that we believe, right? It's a who we believe. We believe in Jesus. So it's written that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing we would have life in his name. And as we look at the uh, smaller series, the Sermon on the Mount, what we see is that, that great teacher, Jesus, God in the flesh, teaching us what it is to be like him, teaching us what it is and what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God and what the righteousness of his kingdom requires. So we're going to look more into that this week. Uh, what we've seen as Jesus has taught this is that, that the religious teachers of the day, and maybe even you and I, uh, were challenged in many ways. We were challenged because uh, we may not have been taking things as seriously as we needed to. Uh, in fact, that the, the religious teachers of the day thought, well, if I just follow the little rule, I'm okay. This is the heart of the matter. And Jesus said, no, that's not really the heart of the matter. The heart is the heart of the matter. And so that we needed to take things uh, more seriously. And, and so he would continue to expose us and, and that we haven't taken the heart of the matter as seriously as we need to. Like we saw some of this uh, when it came to faith in Christ. It wasn't just enough to say, I, I believe, I know God exists, but but that we would be poor in spirit, right? That was the first thing we saw in the Beatitudes, that we'd be poor in spirit, we'd mourn over our sin, and that we would be empty and, and hungry and thirsty for a righteousness that was never something we could achieve on our own. It was something that came through faith in Christ. We saw that the heart of the matter was really for us to be poor in spirit, not just, oh, I, I believe and I acknowledge God, to acknowledge our deep need for God. He went in to tell us that we were to be salt and light, that our lives, it wasn't enough just to, to be hidden behind the scenes, that we needed to, to show the righteousness of Christ through our lives, and, and that we would add flavor to the world, and they would see, and, and, and we would push back against the darkness. He then challenged us with the, the you've heard it saids, but I tell yous, right? And we talked about murder, and oh yeah, I've, I've not never killed somebody, but Jesus said it's deeper than that, isn't it? It's more about anger. And then we saw uh, him talk about adultery. He said it's not just a physical act of adultery. It's, it's actually the lust that comes from the heart that is adultery. So again, challenging the status quo of our lives and challenging our hearts all the same. And then last week we looked at marriage and, and how it's a supreme example. But just, just being married wasn't enough. It was about covenant marriage. And that, that it, we talked about when and if we should ever even consider divorce. And if we did, uh, what, when and, uh, and if ever could we remarry. That was a fun sermon last week, wasn't it? Good time together. If you missed it, you can go back and check it out and, and listen to it. I would encourage that anyway. But he talked about the heart of the issue. And from those, what seem like intense and extreme exhortations, Jesus now continues to teach us what the righteousness of the kingdom looks like. The righteousness that is above and beyond. It goes further. A righteousness that will be salt and light, but it will also be persecuted for his sake. So today we look at a larger section of the scripture and today's sermon title is how we treat others. Jesus approaches and says, let's talk about how you've been treating others, what you what your view has been and let's challenge that. 
And maybe you have your own formula of how you treat people. Well, I'll, I'll act this way, or I'll say this, or I'll, I'll be this if they do this. But I would caution you, and I would caution my own heart, and remind us that the Pharisees had their own formula as well. So we ought to let Jesus teach us what it means to be righteous citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I, I don't know about you, but I want to be the best citizen of the kingdom of heaven and the king as I possibly can. Amen? So we are in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to read the passage of Scripture together, and we will break it down. Father, again, we, we come to you desiring to hear from your word. This is the word of God. God, it's living and active and is powerful. So God, help it, God, to demolish strongholds in our lives. Tear down any arguments against the truth that we have in our heart. That our desire is to, to look more like you. To be known by you and to know you more and God, then to make you known. So help us, God, in the attitude of our heart to look at you and to live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I, I mentioned allergies were going crazy, and a couple days ago, I'm like, oh, I'm good now. No more allergies. And I stopped taking my allergy pill, and then, yeah, that happened. So anyway, I'm good. All good. I took one this morning. Uh, looking at Matthew chapter 5. Let's go Matthew chapter 5, looking at verses 33 through 48. We'll read that together. Again, you have heard that it is said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it is God's throne, or by earth because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes be yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. And you have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and to take, take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asked you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the Word of God. So today we're going to look at how we treat others. And I've got in the, your bulletin there, you'll have some sermon notes and discussion questions. You can use those later, but you can follow along with those notes if you'd like to. Uh, again, I don't anticipate that you will look up every verse that's on there right now or try to keep up with me. Uh, if I have a verse I'd like you to turn to, I will make sure we do that together. Uh, but they are there for your reference later on, and you can go and check those out as, uh, at your leisure later on today. Well, number one, how do we treat others? Well, what do we see first that Jesus says? Number one is this, that we're to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let's look at that text, 33 through 37. 
He says, again, you've heard it was said to our ancestors. Now, before we get in there, he's, he's coming against, he's countering, right? All of these things that, that they thought they had all figured out. And, and the religious leaders of the day were great at that. They would take one thing and say, yeah, this is, this is how we interpret it. This is how we believe it. This is how we're going to live it. And Jesus is continuously countering those ideas because he knows it's not from the heart. And the heart of the issue is what is at stake. So when he says, you've heard it said, it is true that it's been said. And in fact, today we're going to see some things that you've heard said that were said, but then also added to because religious leaders of the day misinterpreted what God really wanted. So he says, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it's the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Well, what is the Lord saying? Well, well let's, let's look back and see what the religious leaders were doing. I think in every aspect we need to see that and see what, what's been happening. What, why is he saying this? Well, the religious leaders tried playing games with their oaths. And in fact, they would take the law and it says, uh, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. You, you know what they thought? That if they didn't make an oath to the Lord and they made it to someone else, they didn't have to keep it. How ridiculous is that? I, I, the question is, where does this stuff come from? We'll see that in a minute in Zechariah. It's the Old Testament uh, where it was even more clear there. They knew better. They knew better than to make an oath to the Lord. So they thought, well, if I make an oath to something else, something inferior like heaven or earth or, or Jerusalem or by my head, it won't matter as much. I don't have to keep those oaths. You, you remember when we were kids? Someone asks you, do you, do you pinky promise or do you, do you swear to do this? And, and what would get us out of that? What in your day got, it out of, got you out of it? You cross your fingers, right? I've got fingers crossed behind my back. Do you understand the implication of that? Like, I have a free pass to lie to you. And, and we actually accepted that. Like, oh man, I didn't check behind your back. I can't, I, I, it, and, and think about this. Someone that, that lied but had their fingers crossed, like, oh, I don't really mean it. It, it. They weren't at fault. You were because you believed them. Same is true of the Pharisees of the day. Where, where have we come that, that that would be a representation of the kingdom of God? That I'm going to tell you a fact, but I'm not going to be honest about it, but it's really your fault, not mine. That's where they were. No wonder Jesus was a little upset about that. He says, just let your yes be yes and your no mean no. Like, say what you actually mean and do what you're actually going to do. I don't know about you. This has been a, a text for me that I've, I've tried to embrace over the last few decades and, and, and try to really implement in my life. It is difficult to do, isn't it? We, we, we are so good at trying to be people pleasers. So, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that, or I'll do this, or I can, I can handle this. And, and I've had to kind of come back. Eventually, I got married, right? And I, I learned the error of my ways when I would say yes to somebody else, and then I'd go talk to my wife. And she's like, I don't think we're doing that. We have something else planned. I'm like, oh, no. So now it's, it's great, right? Because when I was married, I'm like, okay, now my, my standard answer was, hey, can you do this or will you do this? I say, I'm going to go talk to my wife first, right? I'll talk to my wife first, right? And I'm sure sometimes I had my fingers crossed behind my back, like I'm not going to check with my wife. I'm just not going to do it. And that's wrong, right? I need to be a man of my word. 
And then it was great once we had kids, because kids are an excuse for everything. Like, can you be here on time? Nope, doubt it. Like, you know, it's like, sorry, kids. Oh, we got to leave early. Sorry, kids. Whatever it is, they're an excuse for everything, right? But we don't want to make excuses. We don't want to have some kind of some kind of thing in our life that's a that's a fingers crossed or the winky winky face. Like I'm just just jiving with you. I'm not going to keep my word. Jesus says it's it's time to keep your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So and how do they get that? We talked about this in the last few weeks. The religious leaders making up rules and laws and and not understanding. Here's what they had to go off of. Zechariah chapter eight. It says this in sixteen and seventeen. These are the things you must do. These are, what are these? Must do's, okay? So the religious leaders of the day had these. These are things they must do. Speak truth to one another. Make true and sound decisions within your city gates. Do not plot evil in your hearts against your neighbor and do not love perjury. For I hate all this. This is the Lord's declaration. They had some pretty good marching orders, didn't they? No wonder Jesus is saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you, let your yes be yes. And it's not new, folks. It it had always been that way, that this is how we're to treat one another. We're to be honest and speak truth to one another, to make sound decisions, and to not plot evil in our heart. You see, it's a heart issue. We talk about being truthful. It always goes back to the root. It comes from here. We have to question that. What, what is at the core of my heart? What am I trying to protect or, or hide? I shouldn't want to hide anything. They missed the point, though. The New Testament shows us we should be truthful. James chapter 5 uh, says something similar to what the Lord Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Uh, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. Now, I want to be clear, I do not believe that he's prohibiting taking an oath. I think, I think as you look at marital vows or oaths of office or, or oaths in court, they emphasize the truthfulness that we're about and, and, the, and the commitment we're about to make to speak the truth, and that would be in line with biblical teaching and Christian practices. But Jesus was tired of people trying to get around the rules and then making, them out to, making themselves out to be dishonest, and that's not what he wants. Ephesians 4.25, put away lying. Speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. So what, what's the point? What do we see Jesus making? What point do we see him making here? Is that it, you and I, in any and all circumstances, we should be people who speak the truth, who mean what we say and say what we mean. When we say yes, it means yes. When we say no, it means no. Be a person who is known to be always honest. And in doing so, you will reflect the character of God and the kingdom to which you belong. I, I, I've seen it have to start even, and, and be even more particular within my own family, my own children. I, I, I'm slower to say no, and I'm slower to say yes, just so I can make sure that it's the wise, right decision and that I can follow through with my yes and my no. It's so important to do. It, it, when, when your kid says, can I do this? No, no, you can't. Really? Can they not? I mean, why? Or yes. If I say yes, that means, yeah, man, that's even harder, right? And you, you promise something to a kid, they remember that. So do we, though. And, and I, I'm cognizant of all the ways that I failed at this, even, even probably with you. I'll call you back. Forgot, I'm sorry. 
right? I don't want to be that way. I want, I want us, I want myself to be a person who represents the kingdom of God well. And that's what Jesus is asking us for. How do we treat others? We let our yes be yes and our no be no. Number two, how do we treat others? We do not retaliate. We do not retaliate. Let's go on in verse 38 of Matthew 5 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Listen, I, I'm going to let you go home and, and wrestle with your boundaries here. Because I think that we, we see this, you're like, well, yeah, that's true, Jesus, but there's a, there's a line I'm going to draw in the sand. I, I don't know if you can. I don't know what line that is. I mean, certainly, when it comes, when it comes to pers- personal defense like of your person and your family and people around you, sure, there's, there's times to step up and say, no, this can't happen. We're going to defend ourselves. But, and nationally, if you think about laws and rules, Jesus is not saying, let's just let everyone do whatever they want. Nationally, this is what this law was given. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was direction given to the nation of Israel of how you're to govern one another. And it was good. It was right. And, and we, we see this, we're like, oh man, that's, that's harsh, an eye for an eye. No, it wasn't meant to be harsh. It was meant to be fair. It was actually meant to prevent someone from going too harshly with somebody else. That's what the law was given for. To, to not go too harsh. Like, hey, whatever you settle on and whatever judgment is against a person, it can only be in proportion to what is even and fair to what has been done by them to somebody else. That was it. Like, hey, this person stole their, your, your loaf of bread. Let's take their property. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. It was, it was to be proportional. That, that's what it was given for. It was a national rule. So what Jesus is talking about is, is how we personally relate to people and how we personally are not to seek revenge. This is an eye for an eye. You've heard that it's said, right? The original, original law was fair, but it prevented people from taking personal revenge. It left it within the hands of the government. We, we can't help but take things personally, though, right? And, and I want you to think about the, what happens when we do. When Jesus is saying, don't take it personally, don't, don't seek personal revenge. Don't retaliate personally. Here's what he knows. The Lord knows that, that when we do that, where we end up or where the relationship ends up is a place full of malice. It ends up in a place full of hatred. It ends up in a place full of bitterness and vengeance and sin. That's where that ends up. And, and one of the things that we could say is happening is it happens all over the world every single day already. So when Jesus says, I, I'm telling you to do something different, he's saying the world already behaves that way. And you might think it's on you to go out and seek your revenge and retaliate against somebody and, and you are owed something. But we've already looked at murder, right? Where does that murder come from? I, how, this is the how dare you feeling. It's that, that need, that desire for condemnation and revenge against another person. I'm entitled to this. That, that doesn't seem like, from that entitled stance, where does it lead us to malice and hatred and bitterness and envy and, and discord? 
that doesn't seem like a peaceful person of the kingdom of heaven to me. How about you? Is that, is that what's going to mark us when we're in heaven? Look at all these bitter, rageful, vengeful people. Not at all. Jesus is describing what does, though. It says if someone slaps you on the cheek, and, and, and what he's, it's again, not like your body's being harmed. Like, no, this is, this is someone who insults somebody. You took the back of their, your hand and slapped someone across. It is like a great insult. What does Jesus say when you're greatly insulted? Turn the other cheek. Let him insult you again. What about when someone sues you? I, I want to take your, your shirt away. Let him have the prize of your coat. Here, here I'm, I'm going to go farther. Let's settle the matter and then some. Right? I, I mean, have you ever been in that kind of a scenario with, with someone before where, where they, they use something of yours or, or maybe you use something of theirs? Let's do it that way. You use something of theirs and then you broke it. Right? And then you're like, oh, maybe they'll just understand. It was, it was a lemon anyway when they gave it to me. No big deal. I don't owe them anything. I mean, for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to buy them a brand new one. All the bells and whistles. I want to make this right because that's, that's what going above and beyond is, right? But I think our first inclination is to tell them, hey, the lemon you gave me was already like that when I got it. Jesus says that's not how we're to respond. That's not how we're to be. If anyone asks you to go a mile, go, go with them too. Give to, uh, and Romans uh, soldiers could legally ask someone to carry their pack for one mile. No more, but one mile. So what does Jesus say? Keep going. Keep going. Go farther. Go bigger. Go, go stronger with your love. Because that's what it is to be a, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The depth of what Jesus was teaching here goes farther. What he's saying is that we should be willing to suffer loss than to cause another to suffer. I want to read out of Luke chapter 6. Keep your finger here in Matthew. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke. Go to chapter 6 of Luke. This is the Lord's teaching in the same thing. Uh, just written by the Apostle Luke. I want us to build and see what, what Jesus is really asking of us here. Chapter 6, verse 30. It says, Give to everyone who asks you, and, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back just as you want others to do for you do the same for them I, and i want you to hear this next part he, he, it's worded a little bit differently he says in verse 32 if you love those who love you what credit is that to you i want you to hold on to that word credit for a minute and, and maybe circle that in your bible or underline it credit you see, we do things to get credit. And we do things because we believe we're owed credit. But when we are citizens of the kingdom of God, what it means is that you have already been credited with the righteousness of Christ through your faith in Him. You've already been credited. So what, what do we need credit for except to show the incredible righteousness of Jesus Christ? And that's what it means here is if you love somebody that loves you, what credit is that? What, what is that showing off at all? That's, that's what everybody does. Even sinners love those who love them. If you, and so when we talk about our bounds earlier, I, I felt that tension, right? Wait, love people, go farther. 
I don't know, shouldn't we be even here? What, what Jesus is saying is that's what all of the other people in the world do. They love when they're loved. We're not to be like all the other people in the world. Verse 33 in, in Luke 6, if you do what is good to those who are good to you, again, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those with whom you expect to receive, again, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. So this is about something deeper than just being even with people, isn't it? It's about going farther and being, going bigger with people. When, you know, earlier he said uh, in Matthew 5, you want to go back there, in verse 39, he says, I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. That's hard. That's hard to swallow. I, I want to I put a little bit of a different angle on this. And, and you can look it up on your own and research what that might mean. But I think this is what I came up to. Uh, to not resist the evildoer is to resist becoming an evildoer yourself. When I decide I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to just resist against the evildoer, I'm going I'm to instead not become an evildoer myself. In other words, don't relate to others as enemies. Rather, if at all possible, relate to them as neighbors. How freeing is that? I mean, that, it kind of takes away my, my freedom to be bitter and get even and have justice and judgment, right? But man, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to be their enemy. They want to be my enemy. They want to be God's enemy. That's on them. But I'm not going to resist in a way that makes me out to be their enemy. I would rather be loving and not hateful. I'd rather be kind and not harsh. We always want to be on top. We never want to be taken advantage of. We always want to be paid back, but that's what the rest of the world wants also. Or maybe, maybe we ought to be thought of as being always faithful, always loving, always righteous, and always children of God, always citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why do we want that? I think there's little two subpoints under this why. One is because the vengeance will be God's. God will get even. Uh, Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read this to you. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But it's fair. But do not do it. Give careful thought to what is honorable in everyone's eyes. See, again, as we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are being seen as salt and light, and, and it will be reflected in what we do. As if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with, every, with everyone. We, cannot, we can't control the other guy. When Jesus is talking at the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to your heart, he's talking to my heart. And we have to respond. We have the responsibility to respond. It says, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. It's not, we aren't saying that that's not wrong. We're not saying that that's unjust or unjust. We're, what we're saying is, I, I'm going to leave it up to God. And one day, every single one of us will have to stand before God and give an account, and He will hold every single 
person accountable. He will have the last word. Again, this, this is not telling us to refrain from protecting ourselves or our families from harm, although there are some pastors and theologians who have said, I, I wouldn't mind if I wouldn't try to harm somebody that's harming me because maybe they need the gospel and I already have it. Judge for yourself. Nor am I, am I arguing that those who commit crimes should be excused, right? Justice and forgiveness are not mutually exclusive. But what, when Jesus is talking about these, he's saying, hey, aside from a national level of, of right and wrong and justice, we're talking about you personally. What is coming from your heart personally? The guiding principle is that we show neighborly love to all, putting away a heart of anger, of malice, and revenge. That's what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom because that is how God in Christ has treated you. So we, we say, why? Why do I not retaliate? Well, the, I said the first subpoint was because vengeance will belong to the Lord. But the second subpoint is this because it reflects Christ when we do. When we hold back and we decide to love instead of retaliate, it, it reflects Christ. I would say, do what the law requires and then go farther. Because that's what Jesus did. Romans 5 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God, look at how God has treated you and me. This is, this is how and why we came to faith in Christ. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Christ died for us how much more than since we have now been justified by his blood will we, we will we be saved from his wrath we're saved from wrath for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life and not only that but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received this reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ, not of ourselves, not of our own doing. Listen, you, you and I have separated ourselves from God because of our sin. We are all in the same boat. We all deserve the retaliation of God. We all deserve the justice of God, the judgment of God. The Bible says the wrath of God. It, it, we all deserve that. But what did he do? While we were still sinners, did he resist the evildoer? He did not resist the evildoer. He let the evildoer crucify him on a cross, bury him in a tomb, and then God raised him from the dead victoriously so he could conquer death for you and for me. And we, in Christ, we have this freedom that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn. In fact, he took what we deserved. He took what, what we should have earned. But in Christ now, there is a freedom. And in Christ, Romans 8, 1 says, there is now Therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If Jesus isn't going to condemn me, who am I to condemn someone else? I want my life to reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want my, my life to reflect that I'm not a person that will retaliate and get, get even. I, I want my life to reflect that, that God didn't retaliate against me, that I embraced his mercy and grace, and that they can too. So when I'm called to do what the law says, I'm going to go further. I want to go deeper than that. Finally, number three, how do we treat others? 
We conquer evil with good. We conquer evil with good. What, what do we do? We just pour on good. Something evil comes up, we pour on more good. And, and I want you to stay with me on this. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. He's going on and going to make another point here. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now stop there. My Bible, it puts in bold any text that was an Old Testament saying or law. And if you looked at this passage, it says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, right? That's the bold part. And then it goes on and says, and hate your enemy. That's not the bold part. Do you want to know why? Because that part's not in the law. The law says, love your neighbor. And what the Pharisees did, the teachers and leaders said, you know what? It says, love your neighbor, but they took it so literally that it meant, love your neighbor only and then hate your enemy. They added that. They added, hate your enemy. Isn't that crazy? They added, hate your enemy. So Jesus says, you've heard, love your enemy, or I'm sorry, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Again, this is about you and I being citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and, and we want to be His children. We want to be seen as His children, known as His children, in the way that we love those around us and pray for those even who persecute us. He says, For He, God, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If, if God doesn't withhold His mercy or His grace, or his common grace to mankind, who are we to withhold that? For if you love those who love you, again, what reward will that be or what will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same thing? And if you only greet, uh, if, if you greet only your brother and sister, what are you doing out of the ordinary? He's challenging the status quo again, right? Don't even the Gentiles do the same thing. But then he says this, he says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now we'll get to that phrase in a minute, but let's take, a, take this a little deeper in, in what it means to love your enemy and, and, and as we do, what it's actually accomplishing. The end of Romans 12, I read the first part of it, but Romans 12, 19 to 21, it says, I read 19, it says, friends do not avenge yourselves, instead leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. So we have this hope, we have this trust that he's going to be the one that gets justice, he's the one that's going to get even, but he goes on, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Wow. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. This is how we're to treat our enemy. Our, our enemies, who will be judged by God eventually. And, and here's the so that. In doing so, in, in giving my enemy who is hungry something to eat, and giving my enemy who is thirsty something to drink, in doing this, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Now, if you had any kind of sick, sadistic, like, I want to get even thing going on, this maybe helps a little bit, right? Like, here's a glass of water. I'm going to heap, I take another one. Here's, here's some food. That's my best one. You know, we, we, it's like we want to get even. What is it doing? It is, it is bringing judgment to them. Because I want you to think about this. You're, you ever be in a, have you ever been in a conflict with somebody and, and like they're, they're coming to accuse. They're, they're coming riled up. Like it's, it's fighting time. It's go time, right? And they come and they, they accuse you of something. And then you're like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. What happens to the room? 
it just deflates. Every bit of hot air just goes out. It's gone. That is not what they wanted. They wanted you to come up and try to defend yourself. You, you just try and defend yourself against me because I, as soon as you do, I have a whole list in my back pocket of all the things I'm going to say, of all the ways you're wrong, of all the ways you're horrible, of all the ways you're evil, and I can't wait to use that against you. You ever been in one of those fights, though, where you actually start defending yourself and you try to like make excuses and you, try, you get riled up? Where does that lead? Just to despair and heartache and heartbreak broken friendship, broken relationship, and it does not reflect the kingdom of God at all. But imagine that. As soon as someone comes up to you and you just, I'm, you know what, you're right, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that that, that happened. I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry I said that. I, I, I was so, so wrong of me to do. Please forgive me. What are we doing? We're just, we're just heaping good. And whatever intent they had, whatever, whatever notion they had of judgment and equality and justice and wrath is gone. And, and now they're the ones under judgment because they're the ones that are harboring judgment and bitterness and envy and wrath. The judgment is back on them. I, I, I say this in, in relationship to, with people. like we, We're responsible for our own selves, right? As, as far as up to me, live at peace with everybody and do what I can, I can't be responsible for you. Right? I, I'm going to bury myself, and I'm going to let you bury yourself. And, and, and I'm going to let you bury yourself even more as I am good to you, as I am better to you. Because I know that Jesus says, uh, don't conquer evil with evil, but instead we conquer. Conquer evil with what? With good. And they go home thinking, how the heck did they not respond? Why are they not all riled up? Why, why am I all riled up? I can't believe they forgave me. I can't. And they wonder, where does that come from? And God's Spirit is convicting them and moving in them. And what they've seen that day, what they've heard that day, they've seen what it's like, in the, the righteousness is like in the kingdom of heaven. They've seen that day is, is what it's like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It's profound, isn't it? It's profound the way that we are called to love and let, let uh, love conquer evil. We conquer evil with good. You know, I think, I think sometimes we're shocked when evil people are evil. And I, I'm like, wait, wait, what? Are we really shocked when evil people are evil? When I turn the news on, am I shocked? Well, maybe a little bit. But then it goes away pretty quick because nothing really shocks me anymore. People are shocking at what they do, especially people that do not know Jesus and do not, are not citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I'm not shocked. Don't be shocked that evil people are evil. And, and don't be shocked when evil people are shocked by goodness. Here's my charge to you. Just be shocking. Just go be shocking. Go be radical in the way you love. Go, let them go home thinking, I'm the one that's shocked. I mean, I, I should be shocking the sensitivity of this Christian, but I'm the one that's shocked. I'm the one that's shocked by what, 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 they're, what God is doing in their heart. Be shocking. And he goes on at the end of that, he says, be perfect as I am perfect. That word is meant to be com complete. Be, be complete. Don't be lacking. But be complete. Be a complete citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I, I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture, and I'll, and I'll end with Luke's teaching on the same subject. In Luke 18, though, he, he says this. Uh, he talks about, he tells a story 
a, good, a ruler asked him, he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is what is all, everyone's asking this question. Everyone wants to know. The, the religious, religious rulers have set up all kinds of ways to, to make this attainable for themselves. So he asked, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, why do you call me good? First of all, he asked, no one is good except God alone. He's saying, I'm God, I'm good. Uh, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. So he's saying, you know what the commandments are. And he says, I've kept all of these from my youth. That's great. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. He says, I, I want you to be perfect as I am perfect. You lack something. You're incomplete. The heart is still missing. So he tells the heart what it needs to do, doesn't he? To sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And after he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. What does it mean to not lack? It means to be completely reliant on Jesus. It's not just enough to follow the rules and you've heard it said, but to go deeper to the heart of every issue and let the, let the heart be exposed by Jesus. And as we, our heart is exposed and as we start to live in a way that's obedient to Christ, we will endure hardship and insults and hardships and we will uh, endure loss even. But then when you endure that loss, you will be complete because you'll be completely reliant on Him. James says it in chapter 1, verse 2. He says, uh, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials, because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you might be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So say trials are going to come up, but it's, it's how you respond to that. It's how you love others. It's how you, how you let God shine through you. It's how you be a good citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's what makes you mature and complete. It's not about just following rules. And if any of you lacks wisdom, then you should ask for it. Ask God. Ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter. Here, and here's the one that doubts. So maybe you're here today like, I'm still doubting. I don't, I don't know that I can live that way. I, I'm, I'm still mad at this person. The doubter, it says. The doubter is like a surging sea. And you're driven and you're tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You, you see where our doubt leads us? It leads us to more bitterness and envy. It leads us to more malice and hatred. And it leads us to be in, in such internal turmoil that we can't even receive anything from the Lord. And we're called double-minded and, and unstable in all of our ways. We should seek to not lack. We should seek to be complete, to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. What comes from not lacking. Here, here, here's what Luke 6 says. This is the last passage, and it's, it's, the, it's the passage of where Luke is saying the same thing that Matthew is. He's the same account. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great. Right? We, we let go of what we thought was our reward, like the rich young ruler couldn't. We know our reward is great because you will be children of the Most High. That, that should be our goal. That should be what we desire, is to be a child of the Most High God, to be called a, a son or daughter in, in His kingdom. For He is gracious 
to the ungrateful and evil. So here's the charge, that we're to be gracious, right? And instead of saying, be perfect as our Father is perfect, Luke's account says this, be merciful just as your Father is also merciful. I don't know about you, but anytime I, I start to well up inside of me, like, oh man, I, I gotta step back because I think that's exactly how God looked at me before I came to him in faith for forgiveness. God has every right to look at me in anger and in wrath and in, in perfect anger, perfect wrath, perfect judgment. But he put that judgment on Jesus Christ for you. And he put that judgment on Jesus Christ for me so that we could be free from any condemnation and that our hearts would be free to not condemn others, that we would, in being ultimately being complete and not lacking, that we would be merciful like our Father in heaven is merciful as well. So what does Jesus say about treating others? How should we treat others? You should treat others honestly. You should treat others with love further than the law requires. And you should treat others with the mercy of the Father in heaven who has been merciful to you as well. Amen? Let's stand together and pray. Invite our worship team to come back up as well. Father, I thank you so much for your great love. God, it is, it is hard to hear passages of this or like this and, and not feel a little riled up or a little bit cornered or, 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 or challenge them a bit and think, well, I have good reasons. But God, help us not to focus on that and help us to focus on you. Help us to focus on all the good reasons you had to, to strike us down and to judge us with your perfect holy wrath. But Lord, you did it on Jesus for us instead. Lord, we thank you for that. We celebrate that today. We celebrate the mercy of God given to us through Jesus Christ as we have come to him in repentant faith. And God, I, I pray for those who are here today that, God, if they're still reeling in some way with bitterness or anger or malice and it's, it's, it's constant in their heart, God, it's possible they have not done business with you. They have not let the mercy and grace of Jesus invade. So God, I pray that today they would surrender their heart to you. They would come to you in faith asking that you forgive them receiving your mercy and, and leaving here a different person, not under condemnation, but under freedom to be a citizen and a child of the Most High. And God, for those of us that are, our, our desire is to not be like the world, but, but to shock the world. We want to be shocking to the world with how much we love and how, how much farther we go with our love. God, our grace with the mercy of God. God, we want to, we want it to be credited to us uh, that we are good citizens and that we point to you in every, everything we do and everything we say. God, thank you for allowing us to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. God, help us to show that example of the king. Help us to live lives that line up with your truth, not just the, we've heard it said, traditions. We beg of you, in Christ's name.